Oh, oh, PC. Hey, hey that's, that's cool. cool. You got a podcast? Well, I didn't, I didn't know, know that. that. Oh, that's cool. Now you do. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are back. Uh, oh, that's cool. OTC's very own podcast, uh, all about all the fantastic people we work with, uh, with a brand new episode for 2022. Oh, I can't beginning wait. Beginning the spring semester. Uh, I am Jared Durden, and with me as always is Andrew Crocker. And, and sir, feels like it's been, it feels like that winter break was like two years long to me. How about yourself? Yeah. Uh, Yes, and it. Uh, Why? That's how it should feel, right? Like, <laughs> I. It's it's taken me years, but I'm I'm really working on just completely shutting down hmm. during break. Right? Did like, you feel like you did that? Yes, it, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of a lot of work to do. But and and I don't mean completely shut down, as in you know, no, I don't exist. I mean like. Doing things while not doing anything that's mm. taxing, right? Like, because I, it's really just kind of disconnecting myself from work and really getting some relaxation in and kind of doing things that help me kind of reset and recharge. And you feel like that slows your breakdown some, huh? Like, yeah, it I feels think it like does. It uh, I, mine is for a different reason. I got a six and a four year old at home. And so after a week, I, about a <laughs> week, just ready about a week, my, my cup is full. Yeah. <laughs> it runneth over, not always in the best ways, between that second week and the beginning of the semester so we're charged up we're just and am, am i am i wrong mr durden i'm seeing a little bit of a new do for you a little bit more swoopy action up top am i wrong I, i'm growing it out okay yeah all right how far are we going uh well if i'm honest is this a new year's resolution you, what are you did doing you here? watch the get back documentary i did so <laughs> i was watching that and carly uh, a little too much mentioned how cute she thought Paul McCartney looked, and so I somehow I got that in my head. I I, I guess I need to grow my hair how, out a little. It looks great right now, but you're in the middle. You're not at your goal yet. You're no. on the way there. Every time I try anything different, by the time my hair is halfway in no man's land, halfway where it needs to go, I look. It just looks like a complete discombobulated mess. I don't know how you and your ilk get away with having good looking hair when you're in the middle of your game. I plan. got some. Advice. So irritating. I got some advice. So I went to Blue Sky. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. The and the the person doing my hair, uh, it blow drying. That's apparently the key. And I'm I'm oh. no way an expert. Uh, and never was really. I'm just kind of a run my fingers through it. Too but apparently, okay. it, it takes some training. Okay, so I, right. I, I've been trying. This is good. You know, I, I our viewers do our listeners do come to us for hair tips. So I, why not? We, let's start off 2022 on a strong note there with some, with a good the, hair tips. We need to reach out to us. So we, we need to bring someone on with, with uh, to talk about hair. Somebody somebody listening must know something about hair. More than us. More than us, for sure. Yeah. No question. But thank you for noticing. Uh, you know, you look dapper. You look great. <laughs> I'm going, you look you look great yourself. <laughs> thank you. We very don't much. compliment each other enough. Well, it's odd for men to compliment each other, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. The other day, uh, I had uh, a friend of mine text me that he loved me, and then he texted me later. Uh, sorry, that was for my <laughs> wife. <laughs> and I texted him back. But I do love you. And it was even though I was trying to be empathetic and I try to be open minded, it does feel strange to tell another man that you another non family member man that you love him. It shouldn't. Yeah, but it does. And it feels weird to tell another man that he looks great. Jared, I like you and I like the way you look. That was a kind of a drop down from my love. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I 
I don't feel like we've established a relationship enough yet for me to That's tell you fair. I love you. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, you know, but they, they, I love the way you are. There's been a lot of talk about that lately in terms of mental health and uh, uh, especially with, you know, uh, the way, you know, men in our culture talk about their emotions or the lack of talking about it. So here's another, let, let's start this new year right. I, uh, yes. We're and you know what? We're taking care of ourselves. We're taking care of each other. Can we make that kind of a running theme this year is yeah. a little bit of like self-care, not just for men, but I mean, that's clearly the perspective you and I are coming from here, yeah. but self-care, mental health. I think we should make a little sub, little sub theme. Let's do it. Right. We, we had that great episode with uh, Jeff Johnson and talking <laughs> about compassion. And, yeah. Right. Yeah. And you know, Hey, book him book him for, <laughs> book him two or three more times for all I'm concerned about because yeah. I had a great time with him or Je- did, I, did I say that right Jeff Jeff Jones Jeff Jones yeah might have said Jeff Johnson I we've had I both the Jeff Jeffs Johnson. so today though uh, speaking of self-care uh, uh, this might be a, 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 a we, we, we brought on uh, kind of uh, someone to talk about uh, a hobby more than um, a discipline, um, but something that both of us have had experience in. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and we were kind of excited about uh, a very special guest today uh, with us from the uh, Bioclinical Sciences Department, uh, instructor uh, Dick Wells. How are you doing, Dick? Oh, pretty hey. good. Hey, thank you for having me. Welcome. Welcome aboard. It. And it does, you do truly feel like kind of the mission statement that Jared and I have been going for here, reaching out to people we normally don't run. Right. There's no reason why you and I would ever cross paths, really, in the no, normal no, no. And so it's great that we get to bring you in here as a flimsy pretext <laughs> to get to know you a little bit and to talk about something we all care about. How you doing? Oh, I'm very good about yourself. I'm doing, do you feel refreshed, ready to go? How was your break? Uh, much like you, I have two young ones <laughs> at the house. So again, as, as we were getting closer, I was quite quite ready to come back i love my children dearly but um like you mentioned the (laughs) the cup fills quite quickly Uh, (laughs) it's one of the crazy things about raising kids that young too is how fast the pendulum swings my kids yesterday were just they're just tired because they're still getting used to school themselves it's just tired and they were just demons and then you put them down (laughs) you put them down at 8 p.m right and as they're laying in bed and they're drifting off there it's so unsweet Mm -hmm. and you go from wanting to Punt them into the sun, right? Right. Straight to, uh, like your heart grows right. three sizes, one hundred percent. And I mean that happens in two seconds. Yeah. Uh, for us, it's, it's one of those deals. You, you watch them sleep, and you're like, we should have another one. And then they wake up in the morning, and you're like, we no, we're good. It's all good. <laughs> my wife pushed me off the fence a little bit for the second one. How many yeah. do you have? Uh, two, two. Yeah. Do you agree with my assessment that? By the way, what's the age differential? Uh, so my son is seven, and my daughter just turned five, so they're two years apart. Okay, just about where I am. Yeah. So, and one one thing I notice is that having a kid right. doesn't really change your life that much. No, you it, can do ninety five percent of the things oh, you were sure. doing before. Yeah. Uh, with a kid, once you got. Two though the logistics completely <laughs> oh, changes. Completely changes. Like I told her, I said I don't I don't want to see a day where they outnumber us. Like <laughs> then 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 total chaos ensues. <laughs> so this is hundred percent true. My uh, my wife works at the hospital, and uh, when she had uh, when she was pregnant the second time, mm-hmm. uh, she had uh, she she ran like a I don't know it, it wasn't quite an ultrasound, but it was kind of like an mm-hmm. ultrasound. Anyways, she saw two heartbeats, two heartbeats, oh. and she came home and she was like, I may have just seen two heartbeats, and. I was happy, but I was right. like 
65% happy and 35% right. mad because yeah. I was like, I did not sign up for three. Turns yeah. out one of them was like a fluid sack oh, that okay. was reading her pulse. Right. <laughs> Dodge that bullet. Right? I was like, Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, it, my luck, if we were to try for another, I'd end up with like seven kids. Yeah. <laughs> we're done. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Oh, no. But yeah, again, they are great. They are worthwhile. But they they are a handful and again space wise logistics like you mentioned like the whole, the world changes as you gain more and more children it really does so. the thing that reminded me how aggressively that pendulum swings was on the snow day there was a snowy day and first of all it was like three days back from school so you're like they're gone mm-hmm. and then on the fourth day it's canceled you're like oh here i go right <laughs> back into the soup and it takes you 20 minutes to get them out the door because of all the snow stuff they play in the snow for 10 minutes which is heavenly you have such a great time with them but then they're freezing and they turn on you in a hurry they're like i gotta go in like now (laughs) and then you take a minute it takes you another 10 minutes to get uh but uh anyways um they they are um, uh, you know obviously we completely agree they're amazing Mm -hmm. gifts our lives are better because of them but oh yes man they have (laughs) they test parts of you that you didn't know existed 100 percent. yeah like you mentioned there my daughter uh that snow and she hasn't seen a whole lot of snow or any major snow in her life so whenever we got even a little bit she was like we gotta go outside gotta go outside like first thing in the morning we gotta go outside i'm like let's wait for it to warm up a little bit and we spent probably 15 minutes getting a ray she she made it five minutes she came right back in she's like that's it. That, I'm done. Like, and then 15 minutes to get her degowned, essentially. Yeah. All her winter equipment. And, and like, I, I chilled like, out for the rest of the day. Yeah. I was like, I feel like I ran yeah. a marathon. It's exactly. I swam laps, basically, just doing a, just a routine trip to the yard and back. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's they, they make everything a little more work, but it's it's in the end worth it. We've got some good pictures that we can look back on and be like, hey, this was a great day. <laughs> and, and at the time, maybe not so great, but <laughs> at least the pictures make you remember it is great you ready to dive into the the semester dive into yeah. the, the how are you feeling at this point i'm feeling pretty good uh, i've been doing this long enough now that the routine is pretty set um it's one of those things that you kind of come in check the boxes and overall it it goes pretty quickly um and i'm happy where i'm at with my class again i spend a lot of time trying to get it set up in a way that i can roll it out like this um and so it's it's one of those things that once it gets rolling it's going to flow nicely so i everything i'm i literally just have to link up some of the pages to the uh, mcgraw hill assignments that i had plugged into the class now so i just have a few links to to put together and i'll be good so tell tell us a little bit more about your relationship to the college what you do in the bcs department yeah so I've worked at OTC since probably 2011. Um, I can't, I, well, I was actually a student here first. <laughs> so um, I was a student here in like 2007. Um, what was your graduating year, 2007? So, uh, no. So, all right. Full disclosure, I graduated high school in 2005. Uh, went to Missouri State with the intent of being a medical doctor. Um, maybe indulged in college life a little more than I probably should have. Um, but I had done A plus, so I was like, well, 
uh, this is a great opportunity. I can go to OTC and kind of figure out what I want to do, really. Um, and so I came to OTC, a little disgruntled at that point. Sorry, Dana Sherman. Uh, <laughs> and so she, I, I had her as an instructor. Oh, and, the best. Yeah. Dana Sherman, the best. And so I, get, I made her life a little rough because uh, I was broody and pouty. And uh, But anyway, so I had uh, actually taken microbiology here. It was one of the only biology classes I could take. Um, and so I fell in love with it. I, I immediately knew this is what I wanted to do. And so I went back to Missouri State um, and focused on microbiology. Problem was I'd taken some classes there and some here. So I had to basically pick up more hours over there. So I ended up double majoring in biology and psychology. Um, so again, at that time, I had the intent of going into research. Um, and so I did some undergrad research and they, they, it was a good experience. I enjoyed it, but I also quickly realized it's not what I wanted to do. Um, and so one of the things that, that kind of happened was they, they said, hey, if you teach for us, we will pay for your master's. And I'm like, oh, all right, I'm cheap as heck, so let's do this. And so I started teaching and I fell in love with it. And so I came out of, um, I think it was 2012, I started teaching over here some. Um, and so I initially started teaching in the biology department with Dr. Joyce Hill. Um, and I told her that I did microbiology and she's like, go see Marianne Crocker. Yeah. And so I went and talked with Marianne and she's like, we'll get you in. And so I taught adjunct down at uh, Richwood Valley for quite a while. Um, and then whenever Marianne retired, um, I kind of came in and took over a good chunk of the microbiology classes. Um, so I got hired full time. I should know this probably 14. Yeah, right around 2014. Um, so I've been full time since then. Um, and it's been a great experience. Um, I teach the, the good majority of the microbiology classes here. I've done some other things in BCS, um, some anatomies and such, but micro is truly my thing. How much are you crisscrossing with virology, epidemiology, stuff that would be relevant to <laughs> the pandemic that has ensnared us all? Uh, a lot. Um, yeah, I, again, I took every micro-related course I possibly could, with the exception of uh, virology there. Um, that one, I had to go to a different department to do. Um, and at the time, I actually opted to take a unique my, or a biology psych combination course um, that was off, offered by Dr. Haywood um, over there at MSU. And it was, uh, it was basically like evolution and, and human psychology combined. And so I, I opted for that to kind of check that out. Um, but yeah, I've done a, quite a bit in the realm of virology and epidemiology in the end. Um, so, and it's, I'm not gonna lie, it's a little rough right now for someone um, who can understand kind of the situation that we're in um, and how it keeps kind of persisting. Um, and again, it's, I'm excited for the future, but to still feel like we're still in the middle of something like this right now is a little rough. So again, I, I keep saying it and I'll say it again, SARS-CoV-2, which is coronavirus, um, fits in a real weird place where it hurts just enough people that it's something we really need to pay attention to, 
but not so much that everybody pays attention. There's enough people that know other people that came out fine with no issues that they could always point to those people and be like, hey, look, this dude's fine. He smokes six packs a day and he's, he's great. But then you get someone, unfortunately, that catches a bad run and they get pneumonia. And next thing you know, they're on a ventilator and pass on. And that's it's a real weird one. You there, know? There's no greater disconnect, I don't think, in our society than the alarm with which hospitals are completely gassed. Yes, 100%. With the complacency that the rest of us are operating under yes. relevant to the, the – I mean, I, I – to a certain extent, I wonder why those folks don't speak up more. And, you know, I'm married to one of them, but I don't understand why folks in that world don't speak up more. We simply are acting as if that complete exhaustion of mm. healthcare resources isn't happening. Yeah. Uh, my wife is also in healthcare, and, and so, yeah, I see it firsthand as well. Um, just the sheer amount of people. And it, some people think it's like everything else medically related stopped. But the reality is there's still as many people having heart attacks or strokes or, again, breaking limbs or need emergency surgery. And so you, so you throw on top of that all this COVID stuff, and it just it destroys the system. The system's not built to handle that kind of burden. And so even a small number becomes a big impact. And what's, um, and what's kind of crazy is you and I are absorbing it. The rest of us are absorbing it as waves. Mm -hmm. But in hospitals, it has been a two-year wave it has never subsided for them it has never subsided for them i think something else confusing too is there's this narrative that kind of highlights this really small percentages of small percentage of healthcare workers that argue kind of a different point mm -hmm. that speak against vaccination that right. speak against uh the the problem and right. that can muddy the waters and right where, where you're you know, both in relationships with people that are yeah. closely tied to the hospital that are telling you something very different. Right. You know, there's just so many opinions that are seemingly held at the same position. Right. Uh, that it, and are so accessible. Right. We can all just publish whatever we want at any time. Yeah. And our, our scientific illiteracy, mm -hmm. our scientific illiteracy and uh, is is really getting exposed right it, now. It and, uh, and and, you know, who I feel the worst for, even though. I mean, I don't know how at risk you would consider them relative to us, but it's our kids, mm -hmm. right? It's our kids. They're right. the ones paying the price. They are. They're the ones who, I mean, I held my kids out for an entire year before just pure resource exhaustion. I'm just, I have no choice. They're going to school. Right. Um, right. And, and they're the ones paying the price for it. And it sucks. Again, they, it's almost like time was robbed from them. But this time that is a is, great way of saying yeah, it. it's so crucial in their development. Again, my son started kindergarten at the time of the pandemic like it. And yeah. I, I love my son, but he needs a social interaction. And so we were very much weighing that. Do we keep him at the house and, and try to teach from home or do we put him in? And it's like he needs social interaction more than anything. So we, we kind of got to put him in. So, again, trying to encourage him to be as safe as possible in a school that didn't necessarily back us up on it um, was kind of is rough. And I feel like it, he did get robbed in some of his education there because of it. So. I don't know. I'm, I'm hopeful, again, that things are close to changing. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it really is. Like, being a, an adult in this time frame, it's rough. But being a child who's depending on going to things like schools and going to events with friends and going to the fun places, um, they're, they're getting robbed of a lot of that in many cases. And it, it sucks. So. 
it'll get better, right? It will. It will. It'll get better. <laughs> yeah. It, it will all get better. And that's the reality. Immunity, whether achieved through vaccination or herd uh, through natural exposure, uh, it will happen. Um, it, the question is how many people have to suffer um, major consequences in terms of their health um, we lose along the way, right? Like, so how many people have, whether they pass or whether they have lifelong debilitating illness, um, there, there are many folks that even though they live, they're, the scar tissue building up in their lungs and the issues like that are, are permanent, right? That this stuff is not going to get better for them. And so, again, it's not just the number of people that have passed. It's, it's also the amount of people that are now permanently dealing with issues that came about from this illness. And I I, I really hope <laughs> that people are starting to see it as it continues to move through our population that, you know, it's it's a serious deal. Um, again, you can't just point at the numbers of those that survive versus those that pass. It's, it's affected everybody in lots of ways. Um, and I, I'm hopeful that we will move forward. I mean, if we, we survived the flu, the Spanish flu in the past, we'll make, you know, the plagues of the past, right? Like, we'll make it through this. It just how many people we lose or injure along the way that's the concern so i want to lighten things up yeah. a little yeah well did we, we said that we were going to make a sub theme mental health well a part of mental health is really you know confronting the issues that there are and talking about them so we're, we're not doing anything wrong uh but uh we were talking about kind of your role as a student and then an instructor and you've kind of taken a student role again i wanted to mention and have you just tell us a little bit about uh recently in the last semester you've taken advantage of one of the great programs that are offered to uh faculty and staff here um, you took a course uh, outside of your field. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you've done. Yeah, so going through the issues with moving stuff online and already doing some stuff online, I realized that there were some areas I can improve my course. Um, and so I, I sat down and I'm like, what things can I do better? And I was like, you know what? I want to I learn more about film and, and again, uh, electronic media production to up the quality of my course. And so I went and I took uh, EMP 102 with Mr. Spear um, and, again, had a wonderful time. It was a great experience. I'm very happy I did it because it's something I've always been interested in but never allowed myself to do. I focused hard on the sciences throughout my college career. Um, and so this was a cool opportunity of something I liked but also something that was applicable to what I do. Um, so I was real excited to get in there and I, I learned a heck of a lot. I, it is very odd to be sitting in a classroom with another person as an instructor and be surrounded by in that class was almost exclusively like high schoolers um, so that was real interesting um, but I was able to, to you know interact with the fellow students and, and we had to group up for projects and stuff so it went it went really well I was actually pretty impressed uh, does your teacher brain switch off or are you finding yourself critiquing or you like uh, <laughs> sorry mr spear but there was some minor critiquing um the everything's different that's the one thing i figured out um early in that class was everybody has a different style and it still worked right like where i'm like i, I would like a little more structure even though it wasn't as structured, it still worked. You know, we still had people learning and, and working well together. And, you know, there was still the control in the classroom that kept it a, an effective learning environment. So, again, there's lots of ways to do this. Uh, I'm so used to the way I do things that I kind of forget that people have other ways of doing stuff and it can still still work. The, you know, the best way to lecture, the best way to teach mm-hmm. is 
to merge your teaching style with your personality style. Right. And, you know, uh, political science has had a brand new instructor full-time added in Kara Griffin, good friend of mine. And uh, there's lots of ways that you can teach a class this way or that way. Maybe there's some piece of advice I can give her, but her personality is so different from mine that I just don't know how useful my advice is sometimes. Make sure to do this or that in the room. She may do, and she does, do completely different things. She does a great job. It's just you have to merge it with your personality style. 100%. And I think it I think it's hard for some instructors early on is to figure out what their style is going to be because whenever you first get in, you kind of emulate those that you've been around. Um, and so really trying to find and own what you do is a big part of the early time and in, in, in teaching. Oh, and my style is completely different than when I started. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I went in a lot more rigid yeah. early on. Um, I was coming from MSU and the, an expectation of everybody like this is you're here to learn. But then I started to look around I'm like people got a lot going on so maybe I can be a little more flexible maybe I can help offer different ways to engage with the material maybe I'll record some narration on some some powerpoints that I can post up for them for later you know hey your kid's sick go take them to the doctor because that's what you should do but listen to this this narrated um, powerpoint so that you can stay up with the class and email me your questions and things like that and I think that kind of flexibility although it took a little time to see was very very important in helping develop a, a functional class for me so silly question would you recommend instructors take another class here yes. at OTC yes I, I really would it's a great opportunity um, and it's and I would encourage people to try stuff outside of their, their wheelhouse, you know, get out there and see what else is out there. I mean, uh, I took this class, the CMP class, and I'm going to continue down that path, but I'm already looking at, you know, what am I going to get into next? Maybe I take some graphic design stuff or um, honestly, maybe I, I try some other tech area that I, I've been interested in, like electrical or something, um, and kind of just see what else is out there. I have... I have knowledge, little bits of knowledge in all these other areas, but this is a great chance to kind of expand some of that knowledge and, and make yourself more well-rounded. Jared, what are you taking? You get a chance to take a class. What are you taking? I want to get certified in welding. Welding? I That's plan on doing that, actually. I've had are that there areas of your life? Uh, you I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm always building and working on things and that that's like my hobby and you know yeah. in general is is crafting i guess or uh, oh, yeah. but I, I and i've had a lot of experiences where you know I, I build interactive science displays and i i i have to outsource that stuff so i think i think it would be cool and the older i get the more i get into farming and homesteading <laughs> and so then that stuff comes yeah. up naturally oh yeah i got a crazy idea though for you uh i think it would be interesting to look at uh, a uh, professional development where you, we put to, you put together a cohort of instructors from different uh, parts of the college that take a course in a different part of the college together and hmm. talk about teaching. That you know, that's interesting. That's a, again, it's yeah. one of those things. That, boy, that's a big time yeah. constraint in, in, in dedication, but. Like, what well, an interesting way to start out teaching. Right? First of all, we ended up crossing paths through a cohort. I think if you could involve cohorts more often. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Cohort? Co cohort. Or, I, uh, I, I do advising for some of my students. I'm sure we all do. But some of the advising I've done, I have to, they, they need to find electives. And it's always in the electives where I'm like, 
maybe that's a course I should take when I get some time. Yeah. Like you can take a guitar class online, not you, you know how to play, but uh, myself, I, you know, I would love to know how to play an acoustic guitar. Well, there's a class, there's a class you can take here at OTC to learn how to play guitar. Completely online? I think it was an online class that I that's saw. Cool. Yeah. 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 So uh, you got any more plans to take a, you take a guitar class with me. Let's take yeah. a guitar yeah, class. Yeah, I'd be down. Yeah. Uh, I, um, this weird deal, uh, back whenever Guitar Hero started, I picked up some <laughs> guitars, yeah. I took some classes and kind of dropped out because I entered the later years of my college and graduate work. And so I would love to pick that back up and actually get back into it. And so, yeah, I got three guitars just laying around at home. I'd love to actually have some use with. So. I played Guitar Hero once when it came out for like two or three hours straight. Yeah. And my... On my left hand, my pinky and uh, ring finger all the way down my arm to my elbow was numb oh, for yeah. like two years. I had to get <laughs> chiropractic work done. I don't know what I did, but I stopped they, playing Guitar Hero. They were, the guitar was real awkward. It was like a condensed version, yeah. so you're holding yeah. it in a way that was rather unnatural. And I think that... Maybe you were over-exerting when you didn't need to. <laughs> I do. It's like when my, growing up, my dad would play Nintendo with me. He would, like, mash the keys. He was like, I, and if I hit the key harder, it'll make Mario run faster. I am so how. competitive, <laughs> and, too, that I know I, I take things way too far. Uh, so uh, something we like to ask our guests um, to get to know them. Uh, tell us someone that you look up to, an inspiration, possibly a hero of yours that you'd like to share with our listeners that they may or may not know about. Well, I, I appreciate the opportunity. And actually, I'm going to pay a little tribute to my uncle here. Um, so growing up, um, I went to a smaller, uh, more rural school. I say smaller. It was actually pretty good size compared to most. But um, but it was definitely more rural and more kind of classical classical and and, um, a lot of the kind of peer group scenarios and so trying to fit in there was always interesting but I had uh, my uncle uh, Michael Dennis um, was a very unique wonderful man and he was he was what you'd call like a nerd rocker guy He, he he wore the denim jacket had the long hair you know listened to Slayer but played D&D and, you know, read comic books and all those fun things. And so he introduced me to a lot of that kind of stuff um, whenever I was younger and kind of brought me into the fold <laughs> of that kind of stuff. And I wish I would have done more um, in, in, you know, getting in there with him and playing with him before he passed. And so, um, you know, part of this is in tribute to him now because, again, losing him was kind of rough. So, um but yeah, so again, wonderful, wonderful man um, that kind of showed me the other side because I was working hard to be in that group of people that was popular and yeah, I was always into athletics and stuff and so, but that naturally flowed with the pop, not, not a lot of dudes in their letter jackets going and playing D&D at that time in particular, right? So, um, you know, it, it, he kept me kind of grounded in, in other areas and showed me other things, which was which was real cool. So I, I definitely owe a lot of who I am today to him. So I really appreciate yeah. the fact that uh, your personal hero is not somebody that helped you achieve career-wise right? or get a, get a leg up in whatever industry you may find yourself. There is, for the record, there's no... I have no issue with people having those kinds of heroes. Right. 
I do appreciate yourself holding up somebody who helped you just realize a fuller part of yourself right. and, and to give you a more satisfying, you know, that is a very satisfying hobby, very fun hobby. Just mm-hmm. to, that's what we're in this for. Oh. That's why we work our jobs is that is that we do what we do so that we can do what we like. And, and I, I do enjoy that that was somebody who inspired you in that regard. Yeah, and that's uh, I was always well driven in terms of academics um, for the most part. Um, and I kind of had an idea that I wanted to go into science. So. Again, I would have got there. I have no doubt that I would have got But having this other part introduced to me, and I, if we're going to be honest, I'm rather eclectic in my interests. You know, I have a hot rod pickup that's in my bar, and I've welded. Um, <laughs> I play games and tabletop, and I know how to paint a vehicle. Like, I'm quite versed in a lot of things, and it's because of those people around me. Like, they're my hobby things that I, I kind of knew I would want to keep. And some great advice from my father, because um, I initially, I got way into like the uh, building vehicles and welding and all that stuff. And I was like, I want to do that for a career. He's like, do you want to go in and, and do that every day? Or are you saying it because you enjoy it right now? And I was like, well, I enjoy it right now. He's like, but a lot of times whenever you find a job, a job becomes a job. Even if something you like, eventually there is some fatigue and you may not want to do it as often then, right? And so he's like, maybe keep it as a hobby. Find, find a job that you, know, you can enjoy, but still have the hobbies. Have it be different from the hobbies. And so I did appreciate that advice from my father um, where I can still get to do those things fun. And don't be wrong, I love my job. I love what I do. Um, but there are those days where you're like, Man, I don't know. This is I'm a little stressed. This was a rough day or whatever. And then I can go tinker on the vehicle or, you know, go build a table or whatever yeah. the heck I want to do, right? So What's the year and model of your truck? It's a 1936 Chevy pickup. Oh, Are you wow. kidding me? Yeah, that was my first vehicle. Um, my parents put me in a hot rod pickup as my first vehicle. So Does it have a crank in the front? How did, 19, <laughs> did you say 19? Did you say Did you say 1936? 1936. Oh, uh, no. And to be fair, it's not currently running. Um, <laughs> it, it needs some repair. It it, set, it had to sit out um, during graduate school and all that and and some of the like body work and stuff needs to be redone so that's my next kind of step uh, i got a nice big barn um that i need to kind of prepare to do more body work stuff in so um, i'm real excited for that um that should be coming together in the next year or so so i can get into that um i'm gonna i and i've this has partly been intentional because my son's starting to get to the age and how this all kind of started his dad's like hey come out to the shop with me look we're gonna take a look at this we're gonna try that or whatever um and so i i look forward to doing that with my son and hopefully my daughter as well yeah. um you know get them both out there kind of tinkering around and seeing how stuff works um, which is great. It's an opportunity to apply a per, uh, yourself in different ways, right? I was always curious about a lot of things, and this fed naturally into that. Like, let's go figure out how that motor works. Let's let's talk about how you know the steps to laying down paint or whatever on a vehicle or whatever. So it was, it was real cool. So again, I. Very unique uh, upbringing. I had lots of different people and lots of different spheres around me that helped kind of guide me and then help me pro- help me become who I am. So, yeah, Aut- automotive work can really feel intimidating when you first look at as a whole. Yes, but I've kind of learned and, and progressed by as something goes wrong, I just mm-hmm. have to focus on that one thing. And it, it's there's just I still 
there's there's parts of a, of of of, a, of an engine that just amaze me the ingenuity and the creativity that went into designing those smaller features because once you get down to a small enough level it's really not that complicated no the complexity comes in how the inner workings of how the systems you know cooperate with each other and whatnot but and I think it's a good way to kind of view the world and I think it's part of why I love microbiology so much is you look at the, the smaller parts, but they can make up something much bigger, have a bigger impact. Oh, and sir, so, you need yeah. to get into podcasting. That was a killer <laughs> transition. Those two, those are, that's a really, that's a, such a smart connection to yeah. make, though. Micro, that's exactly what microbiology oh, is. Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing. I, I, I've come to learn that everything in this world is connected in varying ways and how you approach it's how you kind of ultimately get where you're going um so again i found ways to take what i've done and what i want to do and kind of meld them together and kind of work on the bigger goal but doing it in, in smaller pieces or bits i think is the best way to approach any of that right um like taking this electronic media production class right it's something i can use here but maybe i can transition into something else right i really enjoy enjoyed the Photoshop part of it. So maybe I can go into some, you know, photo editing stuff for the, the family album later, right? So again, taking the little bits that you know and using them in unique ways or combining them with things you already know is a, a cool way to kind of approach things. Um, and I, I really enjoy that. I, I enjoy learning overall. Um, and so uh, the more I learn, the more I can kind of tie those things I love together and do other things. So yeah, it's real cool. So one last question before we talk about our uh, topic today uh, to get to know you. Uh, Gumby versus Mr. Ed, battle to the death. Who wins and why? <laughs> Honestly, Gumby, uh, he, he could take any form or shape. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Um, it just, Gumby's, and Gumby's weird. He's wild. He, he, he will do some stuff, you know? Not not to bring it down, but Mr. Ed's a one-trick pony, right? Like he's got his <laughs> almost <bike>. literally, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> and so that's the thing. So I think it's I think it's Mr. Gumby for sure. Gumby. This, was, so this is actually brought to my attention a couple episodes ago. Was that not only is Gumby formidable in terms of taking damage? <laughs> Because he, he really can't right. be, yeah. you can't put him down. No, he's clay. He can phase. I had, that had somehow in my childhood got completely blacked out from my memory. He can go through walls and such. Oh, he can. So blocking him up and, you know. There, there's no entrapment. No, there's no entrapment there. You can't get there, away. There was almost a suggestion there in your argument that it had something to do with his moral compass. That Yeah. <laughs> The, the capabilities. <laughs> Gumby, right. wouldn't, right. Gumby wouldn't harm us. We do have to like keep in mind what's their state of mind in this right. moment. Because both these characters are total pacifists. But For sure. If they're going in for the kill, Gumby. Gumby. Every time. Gumby. Yeah. Yep, I can see that. <laughs> so we have brought you here today because of all of your experience uh, with Dungeons and Dragons. So we, we, we really ultimately our question then is uh, tell us what you know and convince our listeners if they've never d tried this in their life, why they should at least once uh, sit down and play uh, a game of Dungeons and Dragons. Well, I appreciate you all having me on for this. And I have a, quite a bit of experience here. Um, uh, but really, one of the biggest selling points I could possibly give you for D&D um, is the creativity aspect of it. Um, as a game, there are rules and restrictions, but there's a lot of openness to it. And I think one of the coolest features, and honestly, the reason I really, really love it, 
is it gives you creative opportunity to solve problems in unique ways. Um, and as you work through the campaign and stuff, you gain more tools or resources that can help you solve problems in other ways. And honestly, the fact that you do all this problem solving and you pair it with usually a group of people, it can lead to wonderful creative experiences that never, never are likely to ever happen in a person's life. Um, so I'll give a quick reference. Um, I, I was um, playing as a player in, in a game um, and we were fighting a big scary monster called a Hydra. Um, and we were working together as a group, but I was a, a rogue bird person called a Kenku. Um, and I got the, the final kill shot on this uh, Hydra. And so I, I decided that I was gonna change the story arc or plan I had for this character and suddenly become kind of this like showboat, kind of like wrestler, like Hulk Hogan kind of esque. I'm the Hydra Slayer. So I suddenly became the Hydra Slayer, which then went to me going to my miniature figure that I'd painted and creating a little cape that said Hydra Slayer that was supposedly created out of the skin of the Hydra. And, and it's that opportunity to be creative and kind of lead a story as a group that really makes D&D very cool and unique, right? It's They were all very annoyed that I was claiming this victory and that I had taken the steps to even fashion. I made a t-shirt for goodness sake. <laughs> So it says Hydra Slayer. You leaned, uh, you leaned, I leaned, you leaned way in. <laughs> but again, having that affect the group dynamic, because then I was suddenly almost like an anti-hero here, and they're like, hey, you know, watch him. He's going to do something sketchy or, you know, take the... But again, playing a rogue, I thought it was quite fitting, right? So it's, it's cool the kind of transitions you go through in the story with yourself, but also with the group, you know, that group creative opportunity is really awesome okay so let's start logistically here because Mm -hmm. i'm sad to say there's probably people that aren't nerdy enough to know what we're talking about here you used a phrase earlier in this episode um that i had first heard in high school and i was like what does that even mean you called it a tabletop game yeah what do you mean so um what is the game what if i'm sitting down am i staring at a game board what am i looking at what are we doing it really depends and that's the kind of cool part of D is there's lots of ways to play um little background D started as a tabletop um, strategy game using miniatures so and it was like based off of a military uh, strategy um, so you'd have basically movement and stuff um, but D&D's kind of progressed beyond that as an, a way to kind of work together in a shared reality um, just in your mind right so some people don't even actually play with any you know miniatures or any really resources other than talking through the scenarios and so tabletop is a general term for games that would be played across the tabletop um, as compared to like video games or other types of game card games things like that right um, but again D&D doesn't necessarily even fit into the category of tabletop solely um, many people do do it tabletop because it adds a certain amount of strategy to it um and but in general again uh, tabletop games can be really anything that you would traditionally lay out across the table and jared and i are honored that you have brought a lot of materials (laughs) that the three of us are looking at right now sadly (laughs) this is an audio medium i would love to to uh, although we will have a picture of your visit with us uh at least on our spotify description of this episode but nonetheless People shouldn't be intimidated by that. No. You actually, if you haven't done it before, you just 
need to be there. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. You only really have one person who's required to know what they're doing. Right. And that's the person we call the dungeon master. Who is this person? What's going on here? So uh, the dungeon master, uh, you may also hear the term GM, which is game master. Um, They're going to be the one that kind of leads the narrative. So they themselves are not a player. They're more of the storyteller and the one that can kind of affect the players themselves. So they kind of determine some of the outcomes or even the challenges that are going to be faced. Um, And it is, and I'll be honest, it's an intimidating role, um, but it's a very rewarding role in that you do get to help create that that environment for for the, the players, right? You, you're the one that's using the creativity of the medium to help kind of set up scenarios and then react to what they get to do. And so they're kind of the leader of the narrative. They are interacting with the players, but they themselves are not actual players. Have you done any GMing yourself? Yes, yes. Actually, quite a bit. I've done more... Uh, GM or DMing than I actually have as a player. Hmm. Um, and it is stressful, I will not lie. There, <laughs> You go in with these scenarios, these ideas of what you want to see happen, and on the fly, suddenly someone does something super creative or super cool, and you're like, what do I do now? And then so on the fly, you're trying to figure out what the next step is. What's the next logical or sometimes even illogical thing that can happen, right? And and so it's, it's, a, it's a real interesting situation but it's very rewarding whenever you can leave a session with your players and feel like you've you've created a fun enjoyable environment for everybody involved it's super super rewarding so and so the the dm or gm doesn't have their own single character however they're responsible for portraying any of the ancillary characters not played by uh, the the game members right and so we would call a lot of a lot of hats you're wearing yeah yeah so yeah you're 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 being the the narrative you're in you're in control of the narrative but you're also playing the roles of the non-player characters which we would call an npc right and so you're kind of you're playing the barkeep who's explaining the uh kind of scenario of why we need to go to the dungeon, right? You're explaining or setting up for the next thing um, as a non-playable character. So again, it's a, it's a weird, it's, it's like telling the narrative through other people, um, which is, is a weird way to think of it, but you can use them as kind of tools in your tool set to really force a story to, I hate to use the word force, um, there, there's this idea that some some narratives are forced, but you you try to keep it kind of free and light, but try to guide, right? Try to be more of a guide. So you can use these non-playable characters to be a guide, and you as the DM would play them. Um, you're also in control of a lot of the, the enemies, um, so you get to make the decisions of what attacks or... or um, what environment the the events happen in and things like that so there there are lots of of uh, parts to this um and overall like i said before it's a bit intimidating early on but once you've learned the systems it's not too bad as as a player it it's really more reactionary you get you get proposed a scenario and you get freedom to kind of try to to decide what you want to do let's start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's just say that I am brand new to this. I sit down in the chair. Um, what tools do I need to bring to make sure that I'm having the most fun possible? Yeah. So 
With D&D, there are a few things that are very commonplace, no matter what type of game you're playing. Um, so whether it's one with miniatures or what, you're going to need really some things like typically a player handbook or some kind of player guide. Um, there are full-on big fancy books um, called Player's Handbook. That's really thick. I mean, we're talking numerous pages. But in all honesty, you don't really typically need that. You need just the basic rules that can come in things like the D&D starter set um, that give you just kind of the basic rundown. So in there, though, and why I'm bringing that up is a player sheet. Um, and one of the things you've got to do is decide what who you are as a character. Who, who are you going to be? Are you a wizard, much like Gandalf, that's going to kind of be this elder person leading kind of the group? Or are you going to be some crazy pirate that just absolutely chaotic and just all about it? You know, like Charlie Day hanging out of the back of the van, right? Wild card. Right? Wild <laughs> exactly. Card. So that's the thing. Like, you get that kind of freedom as a player, but you kind of got to lay that groundwork down on the player sheet. Um, and usually that's important because you'll pass that player sheet usually to the DM or GM so they have an idea who the characters are and can kind of help with the narrative around that. And there's some strategy as a group, too, to work together to oh, absolutely. have different representation to have right. the best team. Yeah, the more diverse the group, the greater options you have to overcome the scenarios or situations, right? And so usually you don't see a lot of people doubling up. You don't usually have like a couple of fighter barbarian types um, or no wizard or something. You usually try, someone tries to take like a magical kind of path. Someone tries to typically take a healer path, which is a, a very and I'll be, be honest, an underserved group. Everybody needs a dang healer, all right? Um, but yeah, so you got things like healers, you got your, your traditional kind of rogues or even unique rogues, right? Um, so there, there's opportunity to have all these different members of the group play different roles and or even change the roles. Um, some of the cool features of some of the later D&D stuff was they allowed people to like take these roles and merge them together. So take little stats over here and a little stat over here to maybe make someone like a battle with major wizard, right? So someone that does magic but also focuses on fighting. And so that's the cool part is that you can kind of meld some of this, but you've got to get it all down on that player sheet so that the DM or GM knows what's going on, right? They, they have to have that kind of tool. What uh, psychological, what, what personality tools do I need to be bringing? In all honesty, one of the best things that you can come to the table with is an open mind. Um... And I'll be honest, sometimes, depending on the GM or DM, the game can be frustrating at times. Um, but if you're, if you're open to this idea that we're all here together with the shared goal of having fun, it should be a great experience, right? Um, and I will say that's one of the harder things with forming a group is getting the right people but you never know without sitting down with those people, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so you'll find that some people are going to be way into the stats and all the details, while the other person's just, they're doing crazy chaotic things for the heck of it, right? Mm -hmm. And so finding the people but being open-minded and what the goal is as a group is probably one of the, the best kind of setups there. So, One of the... There's two things really that attracted to me this when I played in high school and a little bit in college. Um, the first being, can you talk a little bit about the mathematical component? Yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a lot of stat stuff in here. Um, 
one of the tools I forgot to mention earlier was this idea of dice. Um, typically, you want to pull a dice, um, and so those dice are going to be used to kind of execute moves or you know really determine how much damage you you have or you will dish um, or how much damage you take. Right. So there's a lot of numbers related to this in terms of stats that you keep track of, um, and so the dice are a tool to kind of give you uh, the numbers that you need to use in this game. So um, there there's some real depth to some of this that can happen if you want it to happen um and dice come out for things like uh you you certain characters have a percentage of being successful at things and so they have to roll based on how likely that is to happen dice can tell you how much damage is done Mm -hmm. based on what's available yeah so one of the cool ways to think about is the first time you throw dice in an encounter, say you're attacking someone, that dice is kind of determining whether you hit or not, whether you actually strike the foe, right? So this even gets to the level of, am I hitting the person? And some some things, like there are some spells, uh, like magic missiles, for instance, is a cantrip that can't miss. So you don't have to roll the dice for that. But if you're swinging your broadsword, you're going to roll a dice. And depending on how skilled you are with that broadsword, what your stats are like, will determine what number you need to roll to even hit. Now, say you do hit, the next thing you'd want to do is typically roll to see what damage and so depending on the weapon there will be different dice or dice combinations that you'll roll to determine how much damage you do so like a two-handed weapon you may be using two dice where a small dagger you use one simple dice right and so the idea or even in some scenarios you can it's kind of like using focus so you can focus on your attack so that you can roll two dice and pick the highest right so the idea is that you there are lots of little rules in there that can exist to help improve your odds but at the end of the day it's still rolling some dice and hoping for some good luck right and so it's it's kind of cool in that regard and it's not just I'm gonna do this thing. There's still chance that the thing you wanted to do doesn't happen, um, and it can lead to some fun experiences, right? You, and you know, with with any any cultural item, there's artifacts, and and, mm-hmm. and one of the most prevalent are the dice, right? Because mm-hmm. you know they become part of the craft right. of of the game. Absolutely. And there's three sided, four sided, six sided, ten sided, yeah. twelve sided, twenty sided, mm-hmm. one hundred sided. And actually, that brings me. I I brought you all some gifts. Oh. Uh, so I actually had two spare sets of dice just hanging out. And by the way, if you get into D&D, you're going to have an insane amount of dice. Well, you have to. Yeah. Yeah. So I had actually brought you guys a couple sets of dice. So I'm going to pass thing. this away. Or pass this over. All right. There you go. <laughs> oh, I got a little black yeah. velvet baggie right here in my oh, hand yeah. right now. And Lots inside, of velvet baggies. As I empty it out, as I have a bunch of the dice that Jared was just now describing. Some yeah. of these suckers have six sides. Yep. Some of these suckers, if I'm counting right, have ten sides and so on. Eight. Yep. Yeah, so we got typical set. You're going to have a D4, a D6, a D8, mm-hmm. ten, twelve, and potentially twenty. Well, you will have a twenty for sure. Hmm. Um, but yeah, there's there's all kinds of, of dice out there. Um, they're even like um, they're kind of we call them decimal dice or percentage dice. So you, there's some unique scenarios where you have to roll a percentage dice to see whether or not something happens. It's real niche. This particular so dice, them, instead yeah. of going 1, 2, 3, it goes 10, 20, 30, 40. Right, right, right. And so, yeah, you'll combine that um, with even... So, say you roll that dice plus 
uh, a 10-sided dice, uh, you can get the full numbers up to 100, right? Gotcha. And so you can get actual percentages that way. So yeah, there's there's a lot of, of cool dice out there. And interestingly enough, dice become a big, big part of this game. People always buying new and showing off. I myself honestly probably have around 40 or so sets. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, and my kids have stole about a third of those. And so I randomly step on a D4 and I'm very angry oh, yes. in the yeah. middle of the night, you know. So The gauntlet's <laughs> been thrown down. Oh, Dr. Higdon did not bring his goodies. This is great. This is great. You were telling me, too, about something else you had crafted recently. <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, this was slightly before the pandemic. Uh, we'd been playing at my brother's house on a rickety little table that was kind of crappy and so i had decided i have enough knowledge and i have the tools and ability i went ahead and built the whole table <laughs> for us to play D on and so i designed custom designed a table i i you know bought all the resources and, and put it together um and then we drove it over to my brother's house and we got it all set up we got to play on it for about six weeks and then covid hit and <laughs> so we unfortunately haven't got to use it as much as i would like um because again it we kind of got a situation where some folks not super comfortable with uh, coronavirus or are in a, a health situation that it's not great for them to be uh, stuck in a room for many hours together um, with covid uh, at the time born. we weren't going to have vaccines for another year no and that yeah. was the other part like um at the time there was really no i mean shoot we were in lockdown yeah. for a bit there um so there was definitely none of that and so we just haven't quite got back yet. Um, I'm very hopeful that we will start back soon. In fact, I need to nag my brother uh, right after this and, and remind him that we need to get playing because my table is sitting at his at his house. And can you give us say a favorite war story, a favorite story <laughs> from D and D's, from anything that you've GM'd, anything from you as a player? What is it? What is it? An episode that you've experienced that would really show the listener kind of the spirit that we're talking about here yeah so because they can get pretty fun and ridiculous oh they can get totally crazy yeah um so i had mentioned one earlier about the whole kenku rogue uh, hydra slayer led to a whole arc where i was making shirts and little tiny capes for miniatures and such um but uh as a gm or dm um one of my favorites was actually a, a random encounter and so one of the things that you can do is is and it depends on how in depth you go with it but you can roll so each day a new starts you can roll to see if there's a random encounter right and it just so happened that there was a random encounter and so i used um i don't have it with me but there's like a basically a book that you can get if you want that has just all these kind of random events and so this was an encounter um with um an enemy so they were waking up in the morning um after again a long uh, or after a rest after a long battle and immediately they they get in this situation because of again the the role there that they're going to have another encounter and so in this book basically there was this layout of you know these different enemies or you can choose from or you can roll for it so i'm like i'm kind of enemy uh, in fact it was a demon um, and so again doing this all on the fly I'm like how am I gonna spin this narrative to, to, to happen right like I'm a DM that likes a lot of things being left to chance and, and so again this just what happened and so I recall having them kind of get ready and, and saddled up um, to embark on their, their travels to the next town 
Um, but I, I kind of mentioned that, um, you know, you, you catch a, a, a glimmer of something over by this tree. And so one of the players bit on it, you know, he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to investigate. And so what he does, he digs up this box and then he pops this box open and there's a precious stone in there. And as he reached for this stone, it summoned this demon into the world. And so now he's over here with this demon the rest of them are saddled up, ready to go, and this demon starts, you know, attacking them. And so the players are like, "What do we do? Do we, do we go help him? You know, fight this demon?" And so it ended up leading to this really chaotic, crazy scenario where they're trying to fight this demon, but escape at the same time. And so it turned into this weird, almost pursuit scenario where they're trying to fight while trying to still move. And it, it, it was quite the entertaining situation uh, that all came about through the random throw of dice and with some basic kind of rules uh, or predetermined scenarios that were laid out there. That so, was a blast. Oh, it was, it was wonderful. Again, but seeing the kind of thing that I needed to do based off the dice and trying to fit it into the narrative and how well it all kind of melded together, that was, that was fantastic. So, And that's the cool thing. It, it gives a person great opportunity to kind of be freeform in their thoughts. Again, you can have some predetermined... I could have chose to ignore the dice as a DM, right? Mm-hmm. But I had already decided I want to do this and try this and I then had to adapt to that situation and it led to a whole lot of fun mm-hmm. uh, I think one of them ended up being knocked unconscious and being dragged behind the wagon as they were you know <laughs> fleeing and, and so <laughs> one of them decided they were going to kind of try to drag them with the rope back up to the wagon but still be moving and it, it just it was this wonderful chaos and we all had a good chuckle about it in the end and and that's what's cool about it is it gives you freedom and you work within some parameters, but everybody's there for the fun, right? That was the second thing that really appealed to me is I think academically you can find the same arguments as what you've probably experienced intuitively that creativity is like a muscle. Mm-hmm. And the more it's practiced, the, the, the better you are at implementing it. And as children, we're just we're masters of world building and imagination and we start to lose that the less and less we practice it. And so, you know, when I was introduced to this in high school, it was just this extension of practicing that creativity and that world building and that communication, you know, fantasifully. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? I have no clue. It Fant- <laughs> Anyways, because uh, I think that's really important. You know, keep, keeping that, that creativity that, you know, you you do apply readily when you when you have it in the real world uh it takes a little working out just like you know just staying in shape takes running every day or going to the gym Sarah, did you have a recurring character or a character you were particularly fond of in the times you played uh i was a healer mm-hmm. nice uh i can't i think I, the name was like Aluzus or something mm-hmm. like that i think he had blue hair i remember that <laughs> that's wonderful i thought that was pretty cool did you heal were you good at it, or did you kind of stink at it? And everybody, I was okay. Yeah. Uh, I was, I was always so excited that I would often make mistakes because I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I just get so in the moment and yeah. intense about things. I think I still do that. Uh, but uh, I was telling uh, Dick about this that um, if you remember, the Battlefield Mall used to have a Walden's bookstore. Yes, it did, and it yeah. had a very large D and D dedicated section. And I one of, one of my fond childhood memories was was attending that regularly and i remember saving up and buying a monsters compendium and thinking mm-hmm. that was just the coolest thing ever oh yeah yeah and they 
they change iterations on these things all the time, so they're always trying to get you to buy the next new book. But yeah, yeah. so yeah, there's a yeah, whole and I remember that manual. one I yeah, so yeah, there's a lot of really cool tools, and that's one thing I kind of wanted to bring up here is this game can be a money sink, and I'll be very honest <laughs> on that, but it doesn't have to be. Yeah, um, these books and stuff I've brought, they're all tools. But they're not necessary. I imagine a lot of this right. is online, too. Is oh, yeah. Um, and especially whenever uh, COVID hit, D&D put out a whole lot of free stuff. They're like, hey, you're all stuck in your home. Zoom and play D&D together. And literally, they just started dumping resources, which was awesome. Because, again, it was it gave people something to do whenever they couldn't get out to do stuff. Um, and so I... I I actually grabbed up a whole bunch of this stuff. And so, again, the the idea is that there are expensive bits to this, but they don't have to be. And don't let that stop you. Again, you can find almost any of this material online. And, again, if you get into it, then then buy the stuff. You know, And that's kind of how I approached it early on. I started in as a player. Just bought the player's manual was the only thing I bought, and I didn't have to, but I did. And from there, I've... I don't want to admit, don't, hopefully my wife doesn't listen, but probably got around the neighborhood of $1,000 worth of books, right? But that was my choice because I enjoyed it and I wanted more. I wanted to see the other parts and stuff, right? And as a DM or GM, kind of helpful to know what's out there and what you can bring to the table, right? Um, but again, don't, don't let it stop you. We're talking player sheet, dice, and a GM or DM. And honestly, if you want a GM or DM, just do it. Just do it. There was a time, uh, just giving you an idea of how disconnected you can be from this and still enjoy yourself. Um, I haven't read a single one of those books, but I played a lot. And um, I think my junior, especially of college and a few, a few times since then. And I played with the group about four times or so where I got to create my own character. And I created a, essentially a golem, essentially a rock monster, nice. not that different from an ent in spirit. Right. Um, his name was Maximin, which was a classic political science Rawlsian term, which means the best possible worst case scenario. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Maximin, actual political term. Anyway, so I, I love that. And I was like, I'm going to either name a D&D character that or I'm going to name a dog that. So I went D&D. <laughs> so anyways, this character uh, was kind of slow moving, not unlike an Ent mm-hmm. and kind of dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, no ability to tell. Sorry, the Ent were the tree The Ent were the walking trees in yes. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. I just assume everybody listening. Sure, sure. Uh, so anyways, um, anyways, he has no ability to tell friend from foe. He just kind of has to roll the dice. And he was like, well, I've been with you long enough. You're probably a friend. Right. So anyways, oh, th- just cool. by the way, that character does not exist in any Dungeons and Dragons. No. Uh, 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 you know mythology yeah, it's just a cr- character you can create out of yeah, but anyways there's lots of wiggle room here oh yeah i would just really encourage you if you're curious about it just do it once it is oh yeah, you, oh, yeah. It, just do it one time it's it's improv it's really, it really creative is. fantasy-based improv and if you got a boss at gm who knows what the heck he's doing you're gonna right. be, you're gonna be solid there are some other options that are slightly parallel Mm -hmm. so like i think it's called silverlight games there's stores like this all over but i know of one on glenstone and sunshine it's 
down from that Adobe's Cafe, uh, and it's it's a game store essentially where there's a lot of board games now that are designed kind of in this fashion, yep, in this where they're very much like they give you all the parameters and the setup. And you don't necessarily need a GM or a DM, but you do get to like play or they're role playing games right. where you're 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 Absolutely. a character and you get to be creative and act things out. And, and that's a little I think a quicker way if you don't have a group necessarily. Oh yeah, yeah, and I. I think I know the story you're talking about, which is metagames. Uh, metagames, that's yeah. what uh, Great, great resources, wonderful people in there. Um, they're one of the only stores currently that's dedicated to this stuff. There was one on Campbell there um, that unfortunately just closed up. I just found that out two days ago. I was taking my daughter over to, to get some D&D miniature figures because she loves to collect them. And we went to go in and I was like, there's nothing in this store. So, yeah, a sad casualty to the, the COVID situation there. Um, but, yeah, again, just go into one of the stores and, and check out what they got. I mean, they're wonderful, wonderful RPG-style games, um, role-playing games. Um, we are actually gearing up our plan in the near future is we're going to start back with D&D. Um, but there's also a Star Wars um, tabletop RPG that we're going to start playing as well. So I'm going to run uh, D&D, classic D&D games one week, and then my buddy's going to roll this, run the the Star Wars RPG um, for us. So again, it gives us each opportunity to be both DM and player in different games. So yeah, it's a real cool opportunity. So there's lots of stuff out there. There's lots of these resources, but that creative kind of opportunity to work together in this shared reality of this kind of space and getting freedom to do a lot of things that you can't actually do in the real world. It's, it's really neat. <laughs> it really is. So. Well, before we head out, is there any? Uh, actually, I, I've got two things for you. One, I want to and hold me to this, Andrew. Hmm. Uh, remind me when I forget. Um, I want to have you suggest someone else to bring on. Oh, interesting. Who would Who would you like to see on the podcast? Either just because, uh, man, this is someone you got to talk to, or this someone knows a lot about this interesting thing that I'd like to hear more about. <laughs> You got to talk to this psycho. Right. You won't believe so. the stuff this guy's going to say. <laughs> so <laughs> you want to know someone that I've been truly fascinated with here recently that I, I did not understand how diverse his knowledge is? That's actually your office mate, Patrick. Patrick Casey. Patrick Casey. Um, again, I've gotten more opportunity to talk with him in, in more detail and he is a very interesting gentleman like he's got a diversity of knowledge in lots of different cool unique areas uh shooting may creme brulee for <laughs> finals week the other day he was talking about all these finer points of of baking and stuff and i was like wow like that's not not uh, an exactly. average an avid uh, uh trivia competitor yeah, too i believe big trivia guy how like, do people do that I, I, I know <laughs> like two things decently and it exhausts <laughs> right. me. Exactly. Well, that'll be an easy invite for me right, too. Right. Yeah, just oh, turn around. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, he's the first one that comes to mind in terms of someone that more there's more deeper than I would have uh, initially thought. Like he's got a diversity of of knowledge that I didn't expect and so I think it'd be interesting to kind of hear more from him. Fantastic. And uh, uh, second, is there is there anything you'd just like to brag about? <laughs> about the college, about yourself, about your family? 
I, in all honesty, I want to brag about the, the college and the work they've done to try to keep us going to school in these times, right? To keep us in the classroom as much as possible. Um, I, I have serious respect um, for the college and the efforts they've put forth to try to control uh, the coronavirus as much as we possibly can in this scenario. Um, and I have faith that that'll continue. Um, uh, they've really focused on trying to make this a safe environment for everybody and i'm happy for that um we see in some other areas where they're not getting opportunity to try to protect themselves as much and like missouri state and otc and such have said no we're gonna we're gonna do what's best to keep the students in the classroom and i i truly respect that so a lot today a great start off to the semester andrew uh so much about uh dungeons and dragons uh uh your uh dick's uncle dennis uh uh, uh his his hobbies and, and just a, a a broader look and consideration of of uh the pandemic uh did you know that sir i did not know that i didn't know that either and now you know thank you so much thank you sir all right